This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Should businesses face a cash crunch in the short term, they can easily access credit to bridge to better times. We will work with our financing crown corporations through the business credit availability program to protect jobs and to be there for businesses. That was the Prime Minister announcing a $1 billion fund to uh, help people through these choppy waters. Uh, turbulent times, needless to say, with the World Health Organization. Now having announced that COVID-19 is a pandemic, uh, further to the point made by the Prime Minister, they're talking about more resources for frontline workers. And to that end, uh, let's see exactly what might be anticipated by one such, uh, certainly there in the field, uh, the Chief of Staff at the Humber River Hospital, uh, an infectious disease expert, Dr. Michael Gardam, back here on The Oakley Show at Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Doctor, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, can you maybe tell us, is the hospital bracing for what many are projecting to be, uh, you know, a serious exponential threat here? Yeah, that's certainly the worry. I mean, obviously, we hope that we don't get there. But I think, you know, what's been happening in Italy is a very sobering lesson for all of us. They have a, a healthcare system that's very similar to ours. And certainly in the north, the hospitals are, are overwhelmed. And so, you know, as much as possible, we want to try to slow the spread of the virus down so that... Uh, we're not going to stop it, but at least we have uh, fewer cases coming in in any given week so that we're able to deal with the demand. Yeah, you cite Italy, uh, 168 fatalities recorded. And so uh, that gives us pause for concern, obviously. But you're saying, uh, are we doing a pretty good job on containment or mitigation at this point? I mean, we are up until now, right? I mean, up until now, this has been very much a travel-related disease. And so Canada's kind of considered itself a bit of an island, and we've been watching this happening in the rest of the world, and we've been screening people for travel, but we know travel screening isn't perfect, and so we know we're probably at best 40 to 50 percent with that, and so, you know, we have had cases almost certainly come into the country, and we likely have a low level of, of community spread at this point. It hasn't been enough that we've been able to find it, but we're also not widely screening the population yet. The concern is that as that gets going, we will then start to get more cases, and then travel really doesn't matter that much anymore. Now it's really about what we're going to do locally. You mentioned community spread, and there had been some speculation. This individual who was earlier in the month at the Prospectors Convention here in Toronto, now back up in Sudbury, and uh, he's convalescing. Uh, They had wondered if this, in fact, was community spread because, you know, coming in contact with a lot of people, and I think that's been dismissed, but uh, that would be a game-changer, wouldn't it? I mean, if we've got community spread, no way of tracking or tracing where people got infected? No, that, that's, that's right, and certainly we have seen that in British Columbia already, right? So in, in my mind, this is a matter of, of, of timing, and I don't think that uh, whether this particular individual was travel-related or community spread or not, the bigger picture is that we will see community spread in the coming days most likely, especially once we get our assessment centers up and running here in Ontario, where we'll start screening a much larger uh, group of the population. Almost inevitably, we're going to find community spread at that point, and then that's when we need to quit thinking about travel so so much and start thinking locally. How are we doing on resources? Do we have enough testing kits, for example? We do. We don't have the problem that the United States has. I mean, uh, that's one of the things that we were quite well prepared for with our public health labs. And You know, we've stockpiled as much equipment as any country has stockpiled. Those are less concerns for me, and the bigger concern is more if we do get a wave like this, even if most people get mild symptoms, because the wave will be so big, we will have a lot of people who require hospital care, and that's the part where, 
you know, we're running at 100% capacity now. So that's, I think, everybody's everybody's concern at this point. What can we do as a contingency arrangement? Triage centers uh, attached to the hospital? I mean, what do we do? Yeah, all the hospitals have worked on plans like that, and so every hospital is a bit different, but, you know, they all have plans in terms of using areas of the hospital uh, for triage and things that they normally wouldn't use. Uh, You know, my hospital here was designed to be able to bring people in through one entrance and that kind of thing. We also look at scaling back more elective procedures to free up beds, to free up ventilators and ICU beds. And so every hospital has plans like that. It's just, you know, when we're making those plans, we hope we never have to use them. Well, in a worst-case scenario, God forbid, uh, how many could you accommodate? Well, I mean, again, every hospital is different, but, I mean, the fact remains that probably the, the most serious pinch point is probably the ICUs, where they're typically around 100% capacity, and it's hard to care for those patients elsewhere because they require ICU care, they require ventilators. And so what we've seen in Italy is that the number of people who need ICUs is much greater than the number of ICU beds they have. So that that is the biggest stress that they're facing there right now. Yeah, and it need be said, Italy too uh, is hit severely because they've got an older population, as does Japan. Again, Dr. Michael Gardam is with us, Chief of Staff at the Humber River Hospital, an infectious disease expert. You know, it's fascinating that uh, there's a female oncologist in Hamilton who has also been affected uh, or infected. And I'm just wondering, you know, uh, what about concerns from frontline workers like your colleagues? Is that an issue at this point? Oh, yeah. I mean, the second this came up, I mean, people who work in healthcare are always worried about catching things uh, in the workplace because we see a lot of sick people. So we're naturally exposed to it. And those of us old enough to have gone through SARS, I mean, there's a lot of SARS flashbacks going on right now. I think the big difference with this, though, which is important to remind people, is that this is SARS was a hospital disease, so it was something we picked up in the workplace, whereas this coronavirus is going to be community spread, and then people are going to come to the hospital. So healthcare workers could be picking this up anywhere, not just at work, and at least at work, uh, you know, we have the appropriate environments and the appropriate personal protective equipment, uh, and we've got stockpiles. Now, again, it depends how long this lasts, right? We didn't stockpile for a year, obviously, so that that remains to be seen. But I think that we do have to remember healthcare workers can catch this anywhere, like like the general public. So what would you recommend then by way of mitigation, containment, I mean, uh, hygiene practices? I mean, we see some drastic measures in certain jurisdictions where they're shutting down any large gatherings. What's your advice? Yeah, I mean, that's where I'm going too, right? I mean, large gatherings gives the virus many more opportunities to spread. And so I think that we're right on the cusp of that here in Canada as well. You need to bring those control measures in early, I think, in Italy, what happened is the virus got away on them, and then by the time they put all of Italy into lockdown, it's going to be weeks before that lockdown starts to kick in because, of course, transmission has been going on right up until this point. Uh, so that's, that's where we need to go. It's just a question of when public health decides to pull the trigger on that, and then it would be a matter of canceling large gatherings such as, you know, gathering at sporting events, uh, other other. Um, countries have looked at schools and daycares and universities, um, things like that, as a way of slowing the virus down. So do you see this then as inevitable? 
Uh, I do, actually. I mean, I can tell you at our hospital and a few other hospitals in Toronto, we've just cancelled gatherings of over 50 people in the hospital. So we were supposed to have a large meeting this afternoon with several hundred employees, and we've now done it virtually. We've, we've moved away from that. So organizations are already doing this. Many of the organizations we work with, law firms and other places, have been doing this for a while, actually. And so really... Companies and organizations are, are ahead of the government on this. Now it's really up to public health to say that for the general public, we need to start being very mindful of where we're going. I personally, for myself, am mindful of where I'm going now. What you're saying, though, is it should be mandated by public health. That's where we're heading, and it's in the plans. It's all a question of when do you pull the trigger. If you pull it too early, people criticize you for shutting things down needlessly. If you pull it too late, we get into a situation like Italy. So travel restrictions, bans on large gatherings, depending on the size, I mean, these are things that you say are inevitable. Yeah, and these are things that have been done for, frankly, centuries, right? So a lot of the control of even the Spanish flu was similar means like this. And it's interesting, if you go back and look at the history, there were similar debates 100 years ago or whether we should be canceling victory parades and things like that. And different jurisdictions did different things. But I think... The idea of acting early, even if it's kind of uh, politically risky, in my mind, is a safer bet than acting too late and then dealing with the consequences of a large number of people coming to the hospital. We'll end on that ominous note. I really appreciate your time as always, Doctor. Okay, thanks for having me. Dr. Michael Gardham, Chief of Staff, Humber River Hospital, and an infectious disease expert. Yikes. Uh, Well, there you go. We take that under advisement. He's a professional in his field. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.